Deuce and more. Deuce and more. They tell you what they know. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. The pocket that you know. Hey, welcome into the Deuce and Mo podcast. You knew the Kings weren't going to make it easy, right? But they got the job done at the grindhouse. They go to Memphis and hang on for a 113-109 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies at the start of this three-game road trip, and it's significant. The Kings have the longest win streak in the NBA. They've won seven straight. They've won 10 of 12 Oh, and we are live talking about it on a Tuesday night. I'm Deuce Mason from Sacramento. Morgan Reagan joining us live from San Francisco, where she just wrapped up hosting Kings pre and post game live with the one and only Matt Barnes. Morgan's staying in the city tonight. She's hosting again tomorrow because the Kings are in a second night of a back to back taking on the Hawks. We have a lot to go over on tonight's podcast. Morgan, how the hell are you tonight? I'm. I'm just so happy. I'm fantastic. I don't think I have felt like this for a very long time. And I will say that again. It's crazy to think that an NBA team can <sighs> dictate my uh, emotions <laughs> and they definitely my do life. my life, my life. And <laughs> um, and I'm OK with that, especially when I get to feel this. This is why you stick through all the bad because this feels so good and it doesn't matter deuce it's it's not i'm not getting too high on this either i'm not one of those people that's just like it's gonna keep going up you're gonna win every game now undefeated from here on out i'm realistic because no matter what it's what we're seeing from the growth of these players in this team in this organization is absolutely fantastic in this little amount of time well, it got a little crazy at the end, right? And I think something I said on my WebEx hit on NBC Sports tonight was, I'd much rather learn from a win than learn from a loss. And there's things that you can learn from every game, right? Last yeah. game, we were talking about the defense. Like, you play defense like that, it's not going to work. I think tonight, the takeaway is, all right, you've closed games really well this year. Tonight was a bad example of closing, and you escaped a bit tonight. But they were able to escape because of what happened in the third quarter. It's because of how they came out in the third quarter. And I think that's where I start with, and we'll go over the fourth quarter. But to me, Morgan, like, last game, I went back and watched every defensive possession against the Pistons, and the amount of breakdowns I saw, the Kings did not play their typical game. It's a team that's done a very good job, number one in defensive rebounding, doing a great job with second chance points. They were doing much better defensively at times, although not perfect. There were some just fundamental miscommunications that they messed up against the Pistons. And tonight, it was a much better effort from the start, Specifically the third quarter. The Kings got after it in the third quarter. And their defense, I think their defensive performance in the third quarter was their best defensive performance of the season. I thought they were outstanding. What do you think? What jumped out to you about that third quarter? You keep saying that about the third quarter. I saw your tweet about the third quarter. And I can tell you what stood out to me. But you are saying that statement with so much confidence. 
what was it about their defense that looked so special to you in their third quarter that makes you use that statement? Memphis is a physical team. And I know Jaw got his later. I thought they did a good job on Jaw. They were getting their hands. They were being on the ball. They were being disruptive. Yeah. They forced five turnovers in that third quarter. Um, they had three steals in that third quarter. They were everywhere. And honestly, they probably should have been up more. But outside of Herder, Barnes, and Fox, nobody could hit a three tonight. Those guys carried them. They hit 13 of the Kings' 15 three-pointers in the game tonight. Kings missed a ton of wide-open looks that I thought could have been like backbreakers in that moment. But they got after it. They were physical. They were engaged. They were making the right plays. They were rotating well. They are communicating well. They were doing kind of everything they did not do against the Pistons. And that's so, how they were able to have that lead going into the fourth. What I liked about that third quarter and everything that you were saying about how how good their defense looked i feel like it didn't look chaotic like it looked very under control uh in the way that they were trusting each other they made those adjustments from what they weren't doing in that first half especially you saw times that there were still guys in the wrong places or, you know, not putting enough perimeter pressure on and allowing some of their bigger guys have to deal with so much more in that second line of defense. So it was really nice to see them kind of put all that aside, figure it out in the third quarter, whatever the message was at the half. I'm just so glad that they actually bought into it. And you're exactly right. If they didn't have that type of third quarter, then everything that they screwed up in the fourth it would have ended in a loss. I'm I'm just floored by the fact that this team is 10 and 6 after an 0 and 4 start. 7 in a row for the first time since November 2004. Deuce, and really quick just going off of that that 0 and 4 start. I think you and I might have talked about this off camera and we talked about how they had to deal with that adversity early and how that might have been one of the best things for them to deal with early on where sometimes it could be one of the worst things, you know, you start off bad and then everything just keeps going downhill, but them having to deal with that and having to actually grow off of those losses, you saw what they were doing in preseason. Obviously they weren't playing, um, you know, these teams with the, the roster that these, some of these teams were going to go into the regular season with. So they were finding their wins, they're finding their grooves. And then when everything was thrown at them all at once with the NBA regular season, it was like, okay, how can we adjust and even grow more off of these losses? The Kings held the Grizzlies in the third quarter to 17 points. So they outscored them 24, 17. It felt like it should have been more. The Grizzlies ended up with 18 turnovers in the game. Sacramento had 20 turnovers. And mm -hmm. it's not often you can have 20 turnovers on the road and win a game. That So that that's another shocking stat in this one. They didn't shoot great all night. They missed a lot of looks. They got going really... Um, was it in the third quarter? Let me double check here. I want to just, I have so many windows open right now. <laughs> so what, what's crazy, crazy about that third quarter I'm looking at. Yeah. They got it going in the second. They shot 68% in the second quarter. You know, in the third quarter, when they held them in the check, the Kings shot 32%. Wow. But they held Memphis to 29 and Memphis was one of eight from three. So 
I don't know. I was just really encouraged by what I saw there. I think that the biggest issue, though, was ha- what happened at the end of the game. You know, Harrison Barnes hits a three that puts him up 12. Here's how that sounded from G-Man. Ball fake inside. Hands to Herter. Sets a screen. Kevin rolls to his left. Looks and finds Fox. Swings quickly to Barnes. Quick release for three. He's got the triple. Harrison Barnes has knocked down a season-high four three-pointers tonight. And the Kings have got that lead back to a dozen at 102-90. to it was 102 to 90 at the 408 mark. Oh. This thing feel pretty good. Just say, hey, hang oh, on. Really good. Morgan, hang on to the ball. You score a couple of points. It's over. I even text Morgan at one point. I'm like, hey, Morgan, do you realize that the Kings' season low in points allowed is 108? I think they're going to be able to hold them under that. Memphis ends up getting the 109. Uh, what, what was the biggest reason you think they, they kind of fell apart late in that game? What what stood out to you? Was it Memphis's physicality? Were they panicked? What what jumped out to you about the Kings finish? Well, and a couple of things, and I'll and I'll answer that too, but a couple of things that you're going off. You talked about the team with 20 turnovers. You you were texting me about that too. Nine of those were coming in the fourth quarter. So yeah. it was just it's crazy to see how they were playing and then now going into that crunch time and what was happening. Obviously they weren't taking care of the ball, but you're right, Deuce. The physicality of the Grizzlies, it just went up like four notches. And there was times where I thought the officials could have called a foul, but they were setting the tone like we're going to remain this physical the rest of the games, so you're going to have to call fouls the rest of the games if that's the way that you want this one to go. I think they did a great job of just picking up the intensity, but then also the Kings they didn't remain they didn't keep playing their game. They were trying to dribble out the clock. They were trying to play slow. Mm. They were playing a little scared, a little bit more timid. I think the crowd was getting into it, and that was also affecting them. All these little things were affecting them there at the end. You saw some of those passes, some of those turnovers there with Monk just tossing it over to Fox and Fox not being able to catch it, and then another one just baseline out of bounds. They were trying to get it in the backcourt. There were so many dumb little mistakes and no one was paying attention to detail at the end of that game, which was really confusing. But you mentioned it, Harrison Barnes, he was huge in crunch time. He had some huge free throws. And every time they passed him the ball, you could feel like this sign of relief mm. from everyone because they were like, we trust our vet. We trust our guy. And that's what Harrison Barnes is really good at doing. Wait, was that, is, are you talking about the same Harrison Barnes that people were saying he was done? Is that the, is right. that the guy you're talking about? Okay, I just want to make sure. The guy who, in back-to-back games, has been monstrous for the Kings. He had 26 points tonight. He made all of his free throws. He was 8 of 8 from the line. He hit some big threes in the fourth. He was 4 of 8 from downtown, 7 of 13. Biggest disappointment with him, he did have some turnovers that you didn't love. He had five turnovers. But HB has been money. And you're right, kind of his veteran presence, that calm. You're like, okay, he's going to knock down some free throws here. I just felt like they they did panic a little bit. It's like, look, you have to handle pressure a little bit in those situations. Breaking news, when a team is trying to make a run, they're going to get into you. They're going to try to trap you. They're going to try to force you into some tough decisions. You can't be confused when a double team comes your way. There has to you have to remain pan, you have to remain calm and and not throw the ball. I mean, I, I just could not believe some of the passes they were making for a team that. I think he's a pretty smart basketball team, but I feel like there's been a couple times this season in games where you're like, are you guys scared of the moment right now? Like, yeah. you're up. Just there play was, the game. 
there were times that it felt like that at the end, right? That panic came over them. But you mentioned to the double teams that were being thrown at guys, Grizzlies, fantastic job throwing a double team at Sabonis so many times, understanding when and where he was going to turn, what shoulder was going to turn as soon as they threw it into him down in the post. I mean, they took away his vision. They took away the guy that controls so much and commands so much of that offense, um, which I just thought was such a smart decision by the Grizzlies coaching staff. But yeah, at the end, really, it was just they picked up their intensity and physicality when they were throwing doubles at guys, you know, even getting in their way and, and maybe even slapping at their arms a few times. But at the same time, you got, you got to make sure you're staying strong elbows up battle through it. The one guy that they could not stop was De'Aaron Fox. Now he drives, he goes to the hammer, misses it. Rebound Harrison Barnes in traffic. Clears, gives it up to Fox, skips along with the dribble, hesitates, crossover move, accelerates in the paint, lenient 10-footer. He's got the bucket, and De'Aaron Fox has another 30-point ball game. It's the sixth time this season that the Fox has gone for 30 or more, 104-93. De'Aaron Fox, another 30-point game. G-Man mentioned his sixth 30-plus point game this year. He did that 12 times all of last year. Darren Fox tonight, 32 points. He had eight rebounds, six assists on 11 of 21 shooting. He hit five of eight from downtown. He was five of six from the line. He also had four steals and just one turnover. What jumped out to you about Fox? I really think it was what he was doing on the defensive end. You saw times when he was staying vertical with guys, when they would take him to the paint. You saw times his hands were in the passing lanes, just being super aggressive, locked in defensively, understanding what he needed to do on that floor on such a different level. Just the effort was there all night from De'Aaron Fox on that end of the floor. And then this guy said it the other night. I wish I had the quote right in front of me. I can, I can take any shot anywhere, anytime or some shit, like something <laughs> along those lines. Something right? to those lines. Yeah. I can get yeah, to my yeah, spot yeah. anytime yeah. I want. Yeah. Yeah. And he's right. He can get to his spots now and he is executing those shots, finishing those shots where last year I turned to Matt Barnes and I was like, He's not making that floater last year. Like there's something where it just wasn't coming off of his fingertips with confidence or he was second guessing his shot. His shot selection is incredible, but it's not only the way that he's getting to his spots in the mid range game. And then obviously at the rack, some of those threes he hit tonight. I mean, were just absolutely incredible. That cross in three he had was disgusting. Like I'm like, wait, Dion Fox is doing this now, but is Morgan picking up her hotel phone? Would you just get complained? Complained on? Um, I don't. Yeah, I think we're good. What'd they say? No, I had someone call earlier and was just asking about a late checkout. And then I don't know why. Again, I must be popular here. Mm. I don't know. Apparently, they're not watching the pod or they want to talk about the win. Do you want me to go tell them to turn on the pod? Yeah, yeah. Or if they have thoughts on Fox. Anyway, um, yeah, that crossover and three he had was disgusting. I mean, I was, I just gave you his overall numbers. You want his second half numbers? Do it. 20 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal, four of five from three. It's, he had a lot to prove this year. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of down on him. 
after his year last season, his fifth year, the Kings not winning, right? All this things, all these things coming into play. And then you saw all these like lists come out over the offseason with like the top players under 25. Fox isn't getting talked about, right? Fox isn't really being talked about at all. Jared Fox is going to be talked about now because he is playing at an all-star level. He's playing at an elite level right now. And his team is winning. They're 10 and 6, Morgan. That's I mean, what it that's what's so cool about this, Deuce, is that in the beginning when they were 0 and 4 and Fox was still dominating, we're like, okay, but they're not translating into wins. So let's just keep our cool. They're freaking winning. They're winning at a high level. They are playing good basketball. And, and that's the thing. It's not only like, oh, it's Deer and Fox and the rest of the team. Deer and Fox is playing like an all-star and it's just elevating the rest of the team. This is how good basketball should be played. I'm just so glad that he is developing into this player. I don't care that it's taking him all the way into his sixth season. That's what so many people just don't understand that people develop differently in the league. And sometimes it's not about just them and their bodies. It's about having the right people around you, not only roster wise, but obviously coaches teaching you how to play the game the right way too. Another guy who was big tonight for the Kings, Kevin Herter had 18 points, six of 10 shooting four of seven from downtown for red velvet. Deuce. He's been solid and I'm so excited. I know we'll talk about the game that's coming up against the Atlanta Hawks and it being the Kevin Herter revenge game. But tonight, just having another solid performance from him makes me so encouraged to what he really means on this team, especially as an outside threat, especially in that two-man game, and especially as someone who understands how to move without the basketball there's going to be times when you're going to see injuries play a part as we continue into this long season and you're going to have to see other guys really step up in those leadership roles and i feel so much confidence in kevin herter he's been big he's been so big for this team this year and i feel like we talk about him after every game pretty much like the the starters have played pretty well for the most part i think the one again who's kind of in a funk right now since coming back from that back injury is keegan murray he's one of eight tonight Oa four from three. At one point, Mike Brown called a timeout after Keegan had a bad defense, he had a defensive breakdown, led to a Conchar open three. He called a timeout, went right up to Keegan, and was explaining to him like this has to be better. Whatever you know, breaking down whatever he needed to break down. But I felt like some of the shots he got tonight were great looks, outstanding yeah. looks, and some of them went in and out. You have to think those shots are going to start dropping. And he need. I, I think he's at the point right now he needs to see the ball go in. Yeah. And when you here, here's my thing. When you need to see the ball go in, you know, you, you hear people talk about, okay, try to make things happen on the defensive end. Let your game come to you. Okay, sure. There's times he stays vertical. He has a good defensive possession, whatever. I saw two different plays tonight when he was driving it to the paint and he just was really soft mm. with his uh layup trying to go high off the glass both times getting blocked or stripped and it was just slow soft 
not assertive. And we've seen how aggressive he can be. I know he doesn't look, it doesn't show it in his body language all the time, but we've seen those moments happen. And right now you're just seeing him not doing it with authority. And that's just something that needs to change if he wants all the other things to start coming into place. I wonder how much the back is still bugging him still. You know what I mean? Like, and again, he's playing, so must not be that bad, but I don't know. Could that have something to do with it too? I don't know. Sure. I mean, it, it, we, we talked about this the other night, back injuries, they linger. And even if he's trying to be careful with it, or if it's just affecting his athletic ability, like he should either make sure that he's a hundred percent because it's not worth pushing through. There's other guys that can step up or he just needs to change little things about his game to get confidence going to, to make sure that he can still add for his squad. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't, I doubt that Keegan had very many games last year, at Iowa, where he was one of eight in a game, right. And struggling and just missing open looks. So, as much as we've credited him for not getting too high or low during a game, well, now he's feeling some lows. And I do feel like maybe it's taken him out of some of the stuff defensively where I felt like he was a plus for them defensively, team defense-wise, um, at the beginning of the season. But lately, he's had a lot more breakdowns. So I don't know. I mean, he's also a rookie. I'm not panicked by it at all. I think he just needs... He needs to just see the ball going. And some of the looks he's getting are great. He had one late that just went in and out. You're like, God, how'd that one not go? So I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. I'm just, you know, everything's so fun right now that I hope it's sooner than later. It's not during the bad times that he starts to get things rolling. It's during the good times so he can also celebrate and feel good about his individual performance as well. What else jumped out to you about this uh, Kings victory tonight? Um, let's see. Uh, I was, I, I was shocked that the Kings had the lead at the half. Dude, because yes. Cause I didn't feel like they were playing well. It didn't, it, it did not feel like they were playing well. And I know there's so many people that can say, look, John Morant wasn't hundred percent. Look how quickly he's coming back, um, from his ankle sprain. Sure. Right. Well, he played uh, tonight, so I don't want to hear it. you play. He was good enough to come back and play. That's what I was going to say. It's like, well, he was out there. And not only was he out there, he still dominated. He was still a force in so many different ways. He was late. He was I honestly think the Kings did a good job on him earlier. They were blitzing him. Even on some of the drives, they were sending help that they were causing deflections early. I thought early on they did a really good job. You're absolutely right. And that's part of the reason why they were up in that first half, truly, because of the way that they were defending him. And they're their point of emphasis on his game and his ability to get to the rack. They were putting that perimeter pressure on. It's like, he also didn't look right. There was times where usually you see this guy fly and it wasn't until that fourth quarter in crunch time where he really started flying, controlling his body to another level. So I was really proud to see the Kings grind that one out and battle through even in that first half when things were not pretty, but they also limited the Memphis Grizzlies to only six offensive rebounds. So it was nice to see that. It, well, that was in the first half yeah, and then yeah. 13, I believe altogether. So that was nice to see too, because obviously the Grizzlies are the number one offensive rebounding team in the league. And Grant and second chance points and they had 11, which isn't bad. Yep. Right. Which isn't bad for them. Yeah. So 
Um, I just feel like they came in understanding what the Grizzlies are about and did a really good job of just playing their game while slowing down the Grizzlies and what they're good at. I think the thing I like about tonight, the second quarter, they had the lead at half because they got the offense going and shots started to fall. Right, and that's with this team. They're going to be a good offensive team, right? I mean, they score one thirteen tonight, and that's kind of low for them this year. It's like, oh, are they okay? One thirteen, but I mentioned this earlier. They shot sixty eight percent in the second quarter. They're fifteen of twenty two, four of seven from three. That's what got them back in the game. The elite shooting, and then the third quarter, it was the defense that got them the lead going into the fourth. So there's definitely like some encouraging signs to me because I I still maintain I think this team is going to be better defensively I think they're going to be improved it's about the consistency they they have fewer moments of looking pathetic out there and that's a good thing last game against the Pistons there were fundamental breakdowns tonight I felt like they did struggle with Jaron Jackson big time and by the way if Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy which has been kind of the thing with him in his career that's trouble I mean a guy that could shoot threes and block shots like that at his size is ridiculous and the Kings really didn't have an answer for him. They don't have another guy with size. As we could continue to talk about this team, Morgan, like going forward with the roster, I mean, Metu could not guard him. HB, is he's got he's strong, but like Jaron Jackson's massive. They had a lot of trouble with Jaron Jackson Jr. It's tough because someone like Metu, too, has all the physical capabilities to be a really good defender. I, there's times I even go, he gets it. He, he, he has shown discipline. Mike Brown has trusted him with more time. And then there's times like even tonight, not saying triple J isn't this guy that is dominant force in the paint. We all know what he can do, but at the same time with Metu and some of his defensive breakdowns, it looks a little bit more like it's effort. And when I say effort, not like, oh, he's not trying. He's just not focused on getting in that defensive stance, making sure to not give someone an angle, making sure to stay big and hold your ground. Just those fundamental attention de- attention to details on defense for Metu is what I would like to see more of, especially with how this roster is constructed right now. And Sabonis, when it gets physical, and, he, and teams have been physical with him all year, but specifically a team that's got a little more size at that position, like Steven Adams. Yeah. They make life hard for the guy. I mean, it's it's a challenge. I, I don't think, I mean, if you look at the two games against Memphis this year, you know, he is tracking kind of a double, a triple-double in both of those games, but they really limit him from getting anything going offensively. Wait, you were talking about they they limit Sabonis. Yes. Yeah. No, sorry, I was just making sure. Um, well, it's like what I was saying earlier with the double teams that they're throwing at him. Like they were stopping him from doing anything he wanted to do. He had thir- he ended with 13 rebounds and still eight assists. Like that's just him obviously doing a good job with the dribble handoffs with Kevin Herter and still his ability to make things happen are there. But when they threw that double at him, they took away his vision. They made sure that he was not going to like split the defense or get through them. There's times where I'm like, man, he is so strong. He just looks like an absolute force down there. And then there's other times when he tries to push through some long arms, whether it's, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. or even Steven Adams, 
And it's confusing. It's like, no, you know, that's not there. And I know you want to try it. And I know you want to make that work and happen, but it's just not there. So it's tough. He's going to have to just keep playing smart as he, as the Kings keep on playing these teams with some bigger guys. Yeah. And I think the one thing with him, and I saw the same thing with Embiid sometimes when a double team comes, I'm like, you guys are big dudes. You're going to get double teamed. I I would just like to see him get the ball out faster, you know, read the double team. And I look, some of these defenses, Memphis is a great example. They could disguise it. They've got guys flying at you different ways. They're going to throw different looks at you. So it's hard to predict, but get the ball out faster. You know, it's like the double team comes and then you're trapped. And it's like, well, now you're, you got arms around you. You you can't find the open man. Who, who navigates the double teams the best in this league? It's probably Steph Curry. He sees it coming before it's even there. And so your timing and understanding of the double team just has to be there. It has to be at a whole different level. And I think they can get there. But sometimes, too, when you're Sabonis and you're in the post, every time he's turning the same way Mm. he's got to make sure that he's either facing up a different way using a different pivot foot whatever it is he needs to change it up a little bit more because it has become predictable for some teams to throw that double at him before he even knows it's coming can we take a second for a second take a second for a second does that make sense turn over deuce Let's give some love to people watching us live. It is a Tuesday night. It's after 9 o'clock. It's a holiday week, and Kings fans are showing out big watching us live. The biggest thing you can do is hit the thumbs up button. It helps us grow. Subscribe. It helps us grow in a big way. We have increased our subscriptions. I think we're up like 600 on the month this year. We're tracking the most downloads and views that we've had. It keeps growing each month. It's because you guys have been amazing. So we appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Matt in the chat wants you to know he loves a crew neck look. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, crew necks, that's what I I live in. That's why, that's why I'm doing the podcast from my hotel room and not the studio because I was like, I need to get out of this dress. Um, what else? I wanted to read a couple more from the chat. I did put a poll question too, Morgan. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kings have won seven in a row, seven in a row. How do you feel? 76% say, love it. This team is for real. 20% cautious optimism and 4% many flaws. Kangs. I'm, I'm shocked that a percentage still feels that way. It, it, it's, it's 4% like, Morgan, relax. No, 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 no. And when I say that, I guess anybody, I guess if you're watching this game, the Kings, this team, you can just tell that it's different. And yes, I go into every single game. I'm waiting for them to be like, okay, when are they going to screw up? You saw a little bit more of it late in this game, but them figuring out how mm. to win. And you said that in your WebEx hit tonight on NBC, you talked about how, hey, if I would rather learn from a win than, or, you know, from an ugly win than learn from a loss. So I know that they're going to learn a lot from this late game struggles that they had tonight, but now they're going to go up against a dysfunctional team. I say dysfunctional at times in the Atlanta Hawks where they just never seem to find a flow or guys don't even seem like they actually like each other. Yeah. There's some weird stuff with John Collins going on for sure. He's in trade rumors for the 800th time for sure. Yeah, it's just, and that's why I'm not acting like it's the worst team in the league, but like there's just dysfunction there. And you are now seeing so many teams 
with their main guy being their guard, their point guard, and what you need to do and bring into a game to stop them first. And I think that same thing is going to go for Trey Young because that's someone who has the ball on his hands the entire game, who wants to create the most. So how do you slow him down, stop him to really to really dominate this next game? Are my standards too high? No, you're just jumping ahead. I want to get to a couple more things from tonight, oh, though, yes. before we get to the Hawks, all right? Uh, Harrison Barnes was with the G-Man after the game talking about the win. HB's been amazing. How nerve-wracking was it for a 10-year veteran such as yourself over the final five or six minutes of this contest? Man, it was a battle. Uh, you know, we definitely, you know, committed some mistakes, had some turnovers there, but I'm just proud of the way we fought uh, to get another win. Coaches talk about finding ways to win. It's a learning process for so many of your teammates that don't have your longtime experience in the NBA. How valuable is a win like this that extends the momentum of a now seven-game winning streak? It's big. I mean, we haven't had too many games like this. Or we, we had a lead, and we made some, some big mistakes down the stretch, so I think it's a great opportunity for us to learn. Uh, you know, win or lose, it's definitely a great opportunity for us to learn and get better. When you knocked down a three that gave the Kings a big double-digit advantage here just past the midpoint or near the midpoint of the fourth quarter, I said, remember that shot. It may be the key one of the night. How good did your rhythm feel from downtown tonight? You knocked down four of those rascals. Man, I just try to keep the faith. Uh, you know, my faith is what has always kept me kept me grounded, kept me going in this league. So I always try to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for my teammates for finding me. As I try to look at the numbers and do the quick math in my head, I think you have now made 62 of the last 67 free throws you've attempted. How good does that feel? Like I always say, you know, the five that got away, and that's what you think about at night. So, <laughs> and I try to be better in that, in that department. All right. Let's uh, give it a quick thought about what lies ahead because it's a trip to Atlanta tonight. It's against a rested good Atlanta Hawks club tomorrow. How much gas do you think there's collectively in the tank? There's a lot. I mean, you know, to, to play another good offensive team uh, tomorrow to keep the energy and the vibes going, I think it's big for us. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Well, this is something that the Kings haven't done in 18 years. you got to go back to November of 2004, the last time they won seven in a row. That's a long time before you were even started in the NBA. So <laughs> congratulations on that, Falcon, and uh, we'll wish you the very best and look forward to seeing you in action tomorrow night against the Hawks. I appreciate the time, G, man. Would you been through it in that it's been 18 years before you started playing in the NBA line? Wow. <laughs> I love that you called him Falcon. Just not even Black Fal Falcon. The Falcon. Um, HB's last four games, Morgan. In the win over Brooklyn, he had 16 points, four rebounds, three assists. Against San Antonio, he had 16, eight, and two assists. L against the Pistons, he had 27 points, nine rebounds. And tonight, 26 points, four rebounds. All those games, good shooting numbers. So after a slow start, he's been crucial because, you know, Keegan got off to a nice start, right? Yeah. And HB wasn't giving him much at all. And now it's really kind of flip-flopped here where Keegan's kind of in this funk, right? He had the back thing, some injuries, some personal things going on. He's a rookie. But HB stepped up in a massive way. I know there was a lot of concern in the fan base about him, and he stepped up. This has got to be one of those moments for all of us, anybody out there, to just make sure that you're not reacting too quick because it is the NBA. 
guys go through slumps. They go through streaks. Sometimes they just, some shots aren't falling. Sometimes there's something going on in their life and things aren't going well. And you just have to still believe until they show you consistently that you should not believe. And I think Harrison Barnes has had so many of these patches in these moments where people have like just turned on him and then he'll have these great moments of like, man, what a solid wing in this league and you need him. And I think that's why you just don't get too high and low on anybody on this squad. And you just kind of ride it how it is. And right now there's solid play from multiple players on this roster. All right, we have a lot more coming up, but we should mention that tonight's podcast presented by Joey Reagan over at Lion Real Estate. Morgan may not be on the screen, but her, but her brother is on the screen. If you're looking for a house in the Sacramento area, there's no better person to hit up than Joey. Right, Morgan? Right, Deuce, because <laughs> he's so cool. No, but seriously, he's uh, Joey's, Joey's just so easy to talk to. Obviously, so many people have been using Joey for quite some time now because he just understands the Sacramento area. And so if you're if you're looking to buy or sell your home and you're looking to have a relationship with your real estate agent and not just a transaction, Joey's the person to go to. Yeah, so go to his website, jreagan.golion.com. That's jreagan.golion.com or shoot him a call. Give him a text, 916-412-4592. That's 916-412-4592. He has helped one of our podcast listeners relocate from Jersey to Sacramento. He's a great guy to deal with. So if you're looking for a house in the Sacramento area, hit Joey up. He will help you out. We're also presented today by our friends over at East Sac Fitness. If you're trying to get ripped like Deuce Mason and Morgan Reagan, you're going to want to go to East Sac Fitness. They've got all the classes you could possibly need. We got spin classes. We got yoga. We got functional fitness. They will make sure you're lifting the right way, getting in shape. Oh, and they've got a recovery room with a sauna and a cold plunge. Check them out online today, eastsacfitness.com. That's eastsacfitness.com. Dot com. Um, Morgan Reagan, the Kings have won seven in a row. Are you kidding? I, I know. I'm just, I'm a really happy person right now. And I am just so happy for this city. And I'm, I'm really happy for these players, especially the ones that have experienced so much losing around the Sacramento Kings for quite some time. Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox. Um, they just, they deserve it. And they're working their asses off right now. Truly just on another level. Well, you had a chance to talk to Demona Sabonis after the game. Uh, you asked him about the seven game win streak. They got the win. They battled that one out. And Domas, you guys, seven in a row for the first time since 2004. How does that sound to you? Uh, it sounds awesome. You know, um, we're working. These uh, these last two ones weren't pretty, but you know you're gonna have games like this in the NBA, and uh, the most important thing is to go out and and get that win. Did you guys feel like down the stretch, maybe like the last three minutes, it was more about trying to burn clock than staying in your offense? Mm. I felt like you guys got a little complacent from a standpoint of let's just move the ball around and not necessarily attack. Did you feel that out on the court? Was that the game plan, or just kind of happened that way? It wasn't a game plan. I feel like it just happened. You know, they uh, they. Uh, they have sped us up, you know. Um, it was our first time being in that kind of situation, and uh, we're going to watch film, get better, and uh, be ready next time. That's it. That's all you can do, Morgan. Be ready the next time as I try to get you back on the screen. There you go. 
Took me a second, but I got there. Oops, and now I'm playing stuff on accident. Oh, anyway, um, yeah, and that's the biggest thing. You're saying, hey, we haven't really seen some of the stuff like that. Well, now you see it. There's going to be tape. I can guarantee you Mike Brown is going to make them watch it. They'll probably do a shoot around tomorrow and walk through it all and be ready for the next time. Well, and that's what I loved about the Pistons game and what he had to say about their defense after the Pistons game. He wasn't happy with it. He understands what it takes to get a win in this league. And it's not like he's not happy about a win, even if it is an ugly win, but he still has higher expectations for his guys in the their ability on the defensive end. And that's why, yeah, all those breakdowns, everything that they have to look at after a game like this as well, it's not to just put them down. It's just to truly grow and make them better. Uh, Ron Chat says, it's so funny that most fans focus on that last four minutes and say, today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Nerd Wallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Yeah, and it's a really confusing time, by the way. There's all these documents, especially with us, like we are managing finances together because we run a small business together. There's all these different papers. There's all these different forms. What do you do? You listen to Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Yeah, because then you can be making a balanced budget and not just for everything you're doing with your business. How about for some time off after an NBA season even? That sounds amazing. So you know what you need to do? Listen to Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. We played bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you could just focus on, you know, one four-minute part. Now, if the Kings lose tonight, we're probably spending a lot of time talking about the last four minutes and what went wrong. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can't ignore what happened down the stretch, but the big picture is you found a way to win the game still, and that's what matters. I mean, I, what was going through your mind, Morgan? And, by the way, they play without Desmond Bain. John Morant ends up playing last minute after being questionable. John Morant gets fouled by Fox on the three. I got to see more replays on that. I'm like, I'm not convinced it was a foul, but whatever. They gave him three free throws. He misses the first one. Woo! That, when that happened. Did you think it was over? Did you think we were going to overtime? Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. I did not. I was not expecting John Morant to miss a free throw. And especially since it was the first one. So then it was like, okay, you got to make the second and now you're going to try and create something off the last. And that's where I was getting nervous where it wasn't even going to be overtime. Like I didn't know where that was going to go at that point. Um, just because he is so crafty and he does know how to execute those type of plays, but that's one of the hardest things to do is hit it off the top front of the rim, um, get the ball back. Instead, there was a lane violation, but then there was a play going down on the other end, I believe after that. And it was De'Aaron Fox going up with that layup and they called a or they called a foul or no they didn't call a foul and he like got the two and they didn't call a foul or I forget how it went god I wish I remembered right now they didn't give him continue yeah they didn't give him continuation on that play that's what it was thank you I'm like what happened there because I was like Darren Fox was not happy about it and I love that Darren's like how the hell are you not going to? It should have been an and one. It should have definitely been an and one. And so they right. go out to Falgo, shoot two free throws. It was an and right. one. 
Right. They just had some of those moments tonight. The officiating again. They missed. They missed a transition take foul. Uh, Dylan Brooks had a transition take foul. He was not making a play on the ball at one point in the game. They don't call it. Dude. I, 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 and look, if they would have lost tonight, it wasn't because of the officials. I, I've defended the officials a lot on this podcast over the years. I don't remember a time where NBA officiating overall has been this bad. And it's oh. not just from Kings games. I mean, I'm watching the Celtics game the other night or last night against um, Chicago, and the Celtics are back in the game. They're down like 19. Tatum attacks on a drive. He gets hammered. No call. No call whatsoever. And you're sitting there going, what is happening? How are you missing calls? I've never heard so many late whistles in my life. That's the one. But they're yes. but they're calling every carry in the book. I'm like, wait, yes. is this what we're worried about now in the NBA? We're worried about the carries. Guys have been carrying for the last 25 years, and now we're going to focus on that. But guys can get hammered going to the basket. We can have a guy get hammered, miss the shot, fall to the ground. Oh, he missed the shot. Now blow the whistle. Those things can't happen. The league is in a weird spot with officiating right now. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot more biases than there have been in the past, maybe, or like just obvious biases. And it's it's difficult. People are going to have have their biases. They're humans, they're officials. I get it. But you just gotta do a better job. It's this is the best league in the world, and you have to have the best officiating in the world. Morgan, do you want an update updated look at the standings? Sure. We're gonna show them now. Sacramento Kings after the win, the hottest team in the NBA. They've won seven in a row. They are now the third seed in the NBA's Western Conference. The Suns won Utah to the Kings in third. This is weird. <laughs> this is weird. Like, does that, it doesn't, and okay, I we did should, ask Matt, I asked Matt this really quick. I did ask Matt because we, we saw, started seeing the standings and like where the Kings were. And I was like, is it still too early? And he looked at me and he said, yes, it's still too early. Well, for sure, it's too early. I mean, the difference, I was going to say, the difference between the 10 seed and the one seed is two games right now. But my point, my point was going to be, it's obviously too early, but you're still allowed just as a Kings fan to get excited that it's even there, that, Mm. that you're seeing that because we've seen shit for so long that was depressing that looking at those standings, enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is. How about the Pistons going on the road tonight, getting their first road win of the season? They beat the Nuggets in Denver, 110-108. Jaden Ivey only had seven points in the game. It was Alec Burks with 21, uh, Bogdanovich with 22 in the win. Yes, they beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver tonight, 110-108. So it is crazy to look at the standings. You've got the Kings are at 10-6. and six. The Nuggets are at ten and seven. The Blazers ten and seven. Pelicans ten and seven. The Clippers eleven and seven. It, this is going to be an absolute like shit show in the West this year. It's going to be competitive, and every night's going to be a tough game. Well, that's the other thing, Deuce, because how consistent De'Aaron Fox is playing at such a high level, and we keep on talking. We keep on to talk about him being in that all-star conversation as he absolutely should be. But you do have to look around the Western conference and you just go, there are so many 
guards that are legit all-stars in this conference. But I would honestly be pissed off. Yeah. He stayed at this level and did not make it. I Morgan, would be like he's a hundred percent making it if he plays at this level. He is a hundred percent making it. If he doesn't get voted in, he'll be a replacement player because someone okay. always misses the game. He's getting in the all-star game. He's playing too good. And I thought tonight was important for that. And honestly, I don't really to me, if the Kings are winning and he's playing well and he gets an all-star, that's awesome. I the all-star itself, whatever. You know, I I want to see wins, and we're seeing wins right now. But I felt like tonight was kind of an important game for that all-star race. You've taken on Memphis. Jaws playing. You know, Jaws overshadowed him over the last couple of years. And he was, De'Aaron was a monster tonight. He was big time. Well, you talk about big time. It's really just we're seeing him in those clutch moments. But it's those big three-point shots that he's now hitting I can't believe even for a second I was like okay maybe he's gonna be one of those point guards in this league that is still dominant in so many different ways but just doesn't develop his three-point shot he is a serious threat from outside and his first explosive step that he has on guys as well just makes him just a I mean just the threat from everywhere on the floor it is i don't even understand how you go into games if you're the other team and game plan for how to defend De'Aaron fox like the speed the the shot working from the outside what he's capable of doing in those crunch time moments it's amazing monster well it got the attention of kevin durant kevin durant on his podcast was raving about the kings here's what he had to say De'Aaron Fox. You're looks the great. worst record in the league. Playing against them when you got, first of all, you can't really switch anybody on to Sabonis because he's too strong. Yeah. So that throws off a lot of your defense as well. When you don't want to, you want to keep your matchup. So now you got to chase off Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter right now. Red Velvet. He playing like Clay Step. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the way he coming off the handoffs and shooting a basketball right now, if you're not a basketball fan and locked in on the league, you got to watch how Kevin Hurd is shooting this ball right now. He in, the high, he in the 50s. And, like, when you go through scout, you hear all these stats, and everybody just seems way better than what they are in scout and shoot around, yeah. like, when we go – because you got to respect – but Kevin Herter shooting seven threes a game and feel like seven or eight, and they all at 50%. When you hear that, and then you watch the clips and the film, when he, the shots he's shooting, it's just like, oh, shit, we're here for a long night. And then you got De'Aaron Fox coming down that hill at you all game. Harrison Barnes, who can get a bucket on anybody in an isolation situation. Uh, um, uh, and, and Keegan Murray, like he he playing like Michael uh, – <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., the way he kept, you know, at 6'9", catching a shoot like that. And then, you know, you got off the bench. Terrence Davis had 30 on Jesus. The they shot the hell out of the ball. They shot the piss out of the ball. <laughs> but you got guys that can shoot it, that can get hot. Malik Monk. Trey Lyles, even a good bench piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Matt too can shoot it from the big. Uh, 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 you know, so they got a deep team. And they even got Rashad Holmes playing minutes mm-hmm. for him. I might miss a couple guys as well. For, for the first time in a long time, their team makes a ton of sense. They make sense. 
they make sense. They have a starting lineup they like. They have bench guys they like. They have a ton of shooting. Yeah, and, and De'Aaron Fox is an all-star. And they have a great coach. And great coaching. And Mike Brown, every time it's a transition, he's screaming at them, run to the corner, get to the corner. <laughs> every time we miss a shot or every time it's a, even a make, he's screaming, get up the floor, get up the floor. And it's like, yeah, I see. I see. I see where they're going. Oh. Is Lord, is, is KD flirting with the Kings a little bit? Sound like a guy flirting. I mean, he was raving about everything about hey, this he's team. He's just a hooper breaking down the game, man. Mm. That's all he was doing. Mm. Everyone calm down. But I love, you gotta love, you love hearing that from a star player like Kevin Durant, and especially when he's gonna compare someone like Kevin Herter to some of the best shooters in this league. And I was saying that in the post game too, Deuce. I'm like, why doesn't everyone mirror their game after Steph Curry? Why, and you're starting to see Kevin Herter find pieces and elements of what Steph Curry does on the floor to what works for him in his game with moving without the basketball. He's been outstanding moving without the basketball this year. So good at setting screens, getting shots. The two-man game with Sabonis. Morgan's getting up for some reason. I need my charger. You didn't plug in your charger on your laptop while we're doing a live podcast? Correct. Think about that for a second. Think about what you're saying. No, I want to keep talking Kevin Durant, so shut up. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I loved hearing those comments because he's one of the greats to ever play the game. And for him to see what's happening right now in Sacramento... He gave him a lot of love, and it's this is it, it's weird because you, you're right. We're 16 games in. There's a long way to go in the season, right? There's so much yeah. that can transpire, but I, I I think this is a good team. Like you're seeing enough com, competitive basketball, competent basketball. They've got the offensive firepower, and yeah, they're going to make some mistakes along the way because they're a flawed team. Still, they have to, some roster things that they could probably still do at this point. Like, you, you you need some help off the bench, I think. I, Monty's not ignorant. I think Monty knows that they probably need some rim protection. And, you know, he's not blind. I mean, he's watching the games just like us. So, they've got some holes. But there's a lot to like about what Monty McNair has been able to do. And I think that's the other thing. Like, we've spent a lot of time talking about Mike Brown, Morgan, what he's meant. But Monty has had a complete makeover. And I think I think he's going to end up getting an extension soon. I do. Okay. Well, let me go back to what you were saying, though. Because um, now I'm starting to forget. But one thing I did want to say was... Uh, Kevin Durant talking about Mike Brown and then you started bringing up Mike Brown and I think it's that time of the night yeah 937 usually when we slobber all over sure. Mike Brown and talk about um, his ability to coach this team and to make everything better in Sacramento I, I believe it was probably his idea that uh, to put the light beam on top of the building because he's that genius of a human being and I love him but Mike Brown, we talked about a little bit in our post game too about him being a coach of the year candidate. And I don't think that's too soon to say something like that. When you see a team, you you knew any coach that was going to come in and make a difference with the Sacramento Kings was going to be in that conversation no matter what. But this difference isn't just in the win-loss column. This difference is what exactly everything that we just keep talking about. It's with the culture shift. 
It's with the buy-in from the guys. It's with his philosophies on both ends of the floor. And so I just love everything that he has brought to this squad. And I think him and Monty McNair can do a really good job of fixing and tweaking those things on the roster that need to be fixed. It's a great point. Just some of the subtle things he does in the game. One, the early timeouts, that's consistent, man. You mess up, especially for a team that's trying to build consistency on the defensive end. If you're having easy mistakes, like fundamental mistakes, I'm calling the timeout and we're talking about it. And at some point, you know, you got to let guys play through and all that. But no, this is still the early stages of him trying to establish that culture and establish accountability. Him calling the timeout when Keegan allowed Contra to get an open three. He's talking to Keegan about it. it is a teaching moment. Then you talk about the lineup stuff that he does a lot at the end of like quarters or halves. He'll go offense defense. He put Davion Mitchell in late in the first half. Davion makes a play. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I've been so impressed with those type of things, you know, where, yeah. Hey, you might go, oh, the, the, the half's going to end here. It's fine. Just leave these guys in. It's like, no, we're going offense defense or, Hey, I right, put this guy in because we need a three here. Guy hits a three, you know, like, those are the things that show you're on top of it. It shows you know what you're doing, and you're right. Like, there's no doubt about it, Morgan. If the Kings are a playoff team this year, if they're a playing team this year, if they're if they're above 500, he is the coach of the year because he is ending a streak that's been 16 years long, and he has helped elevate Fox's game to another level. He's gotten the most out of the talent. The other thing that I think needs to be talked about more. And I don't know if the stats have been updated yet, but going into tonight, the Kings were number one in offensive rating in the NBA. And I think sometimes we're quick to dismiss that because it's like, well, the Kings have had good offensive teams at times over the years. They've been bad at defense. That's the thing. No, last year they were bad at defense. Awful. We know that. But they were 24th in offensive rating last year. McNair, Wes Wilcox got him some pieces. They did the right things. But then Mike Brown brought over that motion offense. And you put that together, and you've got the best offense in basketball right now. Best offensive rating in basketball. You go from 24 to 1. Now, can they stay at 1? We'll see. But, I mean, that's an impressive jump, Morgan. It's You're right. The leap is very impressive when you just look at the numbers. But if you just talking about what we see in that motion offense, it's these guys that buy in to make it work. It's not only De'Aaron Fox being the threat that he is and executing everything on such a high level. It's guys being told to make that extra pass to the corner or to get that paint touch in that possession and use the clock or in transition pace it's to push the shit out of the ball from rim to rim whatever they're being told they are doing they are listening to and they are executing on so many levels and that's why when shit hits the fan in whatever some of these games that we have seen it in some of these uglier wins you're seeing they're still understanding what they need to accomplish 
on the offensive end, what they're being told and coached by Mike Brown. And that's why it's working because they're listening to what he is saying, his directions. It's incredible. It's incredible. The offense that he has put in with this roster just makes so much sense. So much sense. And I'm just so glad that there's so many guys that have bought into it. Kevin in the chat says, uh, do you think the Kings turning things around might help get talent to come to Sacramento? I do think winning helps that. And it doesn't hurt if Mike Brown has established a culture. I'm a big believer that you can attract free agents. You just have to have um, an organization that has their shit together and is winning and showing good signs. You know, so much is made of, hey, L.A., New York, all the time. We hear about it every year. The, the Knicks, what's their big free agent draw over the last decade, right? Like, Jalen Brunson's a nice pickup, but, like, uh. that, that's not, like, a superstar in this league. You can get quality NBA talent to come here. The Kings did that when they were good in the early 2000s, when they had a sign-and-trade for Brad Miller, right? They were able to get guys to come over and believe in what they were doing. You know, then they get the fringe guys who are smart veterans like Jim Jackson and Keon Clark, you know, taking a chance on Bobby Jackson. You got to be a little more savvy, but I think if you could show you've got the right thing going on, yeah, I, I do think they can, they can draw some talent. Something you mentioned before the game tonight was the difference in De'Aaron Fox. And you said one of the things that you notice, he's smiling, he's happy, he's playing with joy. And you're right. When guys are in a good basketball atmosphere, their job, you know, that they have to spend so much time around, but basketball is fun. It does also attract people to want to be there why do you think people i mean not just because the warriors have steph curry and they've had championships and they're winning people have enjoyed playing basketball there or that style of basketball jared in the chat says anyone seen the king's upcoming schedule heading into 2023 maybe the toughest stretch of the schedule any team in the league will face this season we're going to find out a lot more about the kings soon yeah i mean here's the reality though Look at any, you, you can't jump too far ahead of the schedule. Before the season, everyone told me the Kings had the hardest schedule in NBA history. Then it was, oh, this road trip is going to be hard. You can't predict what is happening with the other teams. Injuries happen. Teams maybe not playing their best basketball. Guys coming back. It, it's so hard to predict. I brought the, this, this example last week. If you would have told me a few weeks back, oh, Kings are playing the Spurs, you'd be like, that's a tough game. Well, the Spurs are not a good team now. Like, they, they're proving that, and the Kings got them then. So, it, it's hard to evaluate. And then the other thing I would say is there's not many easy games in the NBA anymore. One, look at the Western Conference. It's insane, right? Like, when I say that the difference between 12 and 1 is not that drastic, that's insane, right? Th this is going to be a super competitive Western Conference. Can anyone say today who was the front runner in the Western Conference? I don't think you can. You, you might go, well, I think the Warriors could turn it around. Well, they got a lot of shit to figure out. Oh, the Phoenix Suns. Sure, but there's team, each one of these teams we mentioned has flaws. The parity in this league is unreal. So every game is going to be a battle. If you make the playoffs this year, you're going to earn it.
That's what makes us so fun though. I, yeah. I really, I mean, obviously, obviously I'm, I'm in Sacramento and I cover the Kings and I'm a fan of the Kings and I'm saying that's what makes this league so fun. But I felt that same way when we saw changes happening with other teams over these last couple of years, I think the Memphis Grizzlies have been such a fun story and yeah. all, there's so many years just you and I were like, can't we just be like that? Isn't there going to be a time? And then year after year, depressing awful basketball and we were like wow can you be this bad forever is that going to be the identity of this organization and the fact that you're seeing things turn around right now in this season so quickly from a new head coach in the offseason I believe yeah I think my favorite thing about this season has been some of the adversity that they have felt and it's the 0-4 start, sure, but it's the Pistons game. Pistons are beating you at home, trying to snap your skid, right? It's being down to the Lakers without LeBron. It's tonight when you have a lead and you're trying to protect it on the road and you don't have your crowd behind you and their crowd's into it and you're still finding ways to win. Yeah. You have to learn from each one of these battles and I think it's that type of adversity that can make things easier down the road. Like if you can handle this, then you're going to be able to handle a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of tough moments. This road trip, you play again tomorrow night against the Hawks and the Hawks have a talented team. That backcourt with Trey and DeJounte Murray, you got a legit shot blocker and Capella, a Kongwu. You know, Collins could get his. The rookie, AJ Griffin, has shown some stuff out there. Um, and it's the second I have a back-to-back. I am so ready for Kevin Herter to, to be back in Atlanta. I've, are we going to get a Herter revenge game? Are we going to get a Herter giving them buckets? I bet you he's a little fired up that this team gave up on him. Now he's in Sacramento, part of a 10-6 and six team. He's having career numbers. He's shooting the lights out. He's got Kevin Durant talking about him. And that team in Atlanta said, you know what? We're going to get rid of you because we want Murray and we still have that bogey guy. Like we're good. We're going to, we're going to trade you. You know, it's, he just needs to play his game and obviously it's going to be on his mind, right? It was his first trade and um, team and everything. And you just think about someone that gets too excited mentally coming into that situation. I hope that doesn't happen to him because I love the way that he's been playing. And I would love if he got to do that on his old floor. The Hawks, by the way, are 10 and seven on the season. <laughs> this league is so weird. It is. I know. And I, it's so, that's why I know when I call them a dysfunctional team, it's more just from again, watching them play it just doesn't feel right it's like they don't buy in or believe in each other but they've just they haven't really found any momentum they haven't had they they haven't had a seven game win streak more you know oh. that's a sacramento thing okay you know who can relate to that boston and sacramento pretty much um yeah they did not close well in that game against the Cavs last night it was not a good finish for them and i think they're still trying to learn how to play with those two guards you know you're missing a lot of shots last night but those Trey Young's a problem we know this um it's still a winnable game and it is the second I have a back-to-back -back. the flight is like an hour and 15 minutes like they're 
already in Atlanta by now. So it's not like they have to go, you know, 3,000 miles across the country. Right. No, that's good. So, yeah. I, you got to be happy with where the Kings are at. You want to take a call? We've got a Brian here, Morgan. And Brian, yes. Brian's from Tennessee. He lives in Tennessee. He was at the game tonight with his kids. Hello. What's up, man? Well, we are here in Memphis, my boys and I. Hell yeah. How was the game, and man? We, it was electric. We were the loudest people in the entire arena. Would you say so, kids? Yeah. Liam, definitely. Yeah, Liam was Liam was doing the oogie boogie, making up words while they were shooting free throws, and it was pretty annoying. But hey, it worked. Do you have a song tonight? Did you have? I was hoping you'd have a song tonight. You know, after a win. Uh, well, well, I don't know. Do we have a song? What were we singing at the uh, the game, guys? Do you remember? No. no, we were singing Red Velvet when he uh, hit those threes. So we were singing the Red Velvet made the little boy smile. Red velvet with a three-point style. We had fun tonight, guys. Hell Kings like the yes, game. dude. Appreciate That's you checking awesome. in. Yeah, I saw that he was with his kids tonight. He went to the game. He saw a win. How great is that? Um, let's go next to Boise. Boise, how are you feeling? Hello, hello. Hey, okay. I'm feeling great, dude. Uh, I'm all feeling right, fantastic. All right, you're coming in a little hot right now. You're coming in a little hot. What? I just said I was feeling good. I know, but a like, good thing. I didn't even say how are you doing, and you just come in. I'm feeling oh. fantastic. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you said that. My mic was. I'm so sorry about that. So what? what what's Hello? up? What's up, man? Oh, I just want to say I know. Like the last four minutes are like garbage, but that's a game we don't usually win. Like I don't know. Like if people are like looking too much into it. I mean, not actually not bad, but like that's a game we don't win last year. We don't win it the year before. That was awesome, dude. We actually sealed the deal. And I'm like, I'm out of breath, dude. I'm like, this is amazing. I was seven games? Are you outside? Like, oh, yeah. I'm taking a walk. love it's... your energy, Boise. I appreciate this on so many levels. And I'm, I just, I hope you remember this joy and this feeling. And don't get too low if things ever go the other way, oh, too. Oh, of course. Of course. I have a question for y'all. You know when, uh, even Adams got the tech. You know why Fox shoots the shot the free throw? Well, he's one of your better free throw shooters this year. What do you mean? The guy's shooting eighty five percent from the line. What you're not going to give Darren Fox the I ball? Know. I know, but wasn't Herder on the court too? Oh, Kevin Herder is actually one of the worst free throw shooters this year. It's so weird. I know, I know, but like I don't know. I don't really. I mean, I'm a trust Fox at the free throw. That's on me. But I'm a I'm a Fox stand. There's nothing against Fox. No, no. Uh, Here's my problem though. Him. You're going to say. You don't trust Fox to make right. the free throw, and he's shooting right. a career high at the free throw line. Meanwhile, Kevin Herter, the guy that you wanted to shoot the free throw, I know he makes everything. Yeah. He's shooting sixty six percent from the free throw line oh, this year. Oh shoot! Can That's we, not me then. Can That's we find out why Kevin Herter is not making his free throws, Morgan? What, I did not know that. I need to look into that more. Yeah, Boise needs to look into that one, and I love that. My he bad. Said, hey, his turnover, his bad, and for Kevin Herter. You guys, it's the same thing that we saw with, not the same thing, but with Harrison Barnes early on in this season when we were asking about his free throws and just everything seemed down, it looked like he wasn't in a good mental space. I think with Kevin Herter, I don't know what it is. I can't say it's a fundamental thing. Maybe it's just like a mental thing. Problem. I mean, he, he doesn't go there a lot. Um, 
in the Cleveland game, he got there seven times. He was six of seven, but then he went he went three games, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Detroit, where he did not even take a free throw. Um, yeah, my bad about that when I'm looking at stats right now. Yeah, yeah, no, good job, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alrighty. I think um, it, it is kind of crazy, though, when you think of Herter, where this guy has been absurd shooting the ball from the perimeter, right? Like 50% from three? That's insane, 16 games into an NBA season. And you would think, like, the free throw would be just an easy <laughs> an easy shot. It's so weird. Yeah. You think, you guys, that sometimes the easiest things are just the hardest to mentally, to, to jump over that mental hurdle. All right, think? Thank you, guys. just wanted to say that. All yeah. right, see ya. Boise, hey, man. Boise. We're fast. Hey, Boise. Oh, he's gone. All right. What were you going to say? Well, some people in the chat were giving me credit. Hey, let the man be happy. I was just, I, 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 I totally love his happiness. I just, it was so funny. He just came in like it was De'Aaron Fox attacking the basket. It was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's talk. I, I appreciated it on every level. So I agree with all of our listeners and they're right. Deuce, you should have been um, even more excited about his excitement. Okay. My bad. My bad. Uh, what do you think of John Morant tonight, Morgan? He was three, let's see here. He was nine of 15 from the free throw line. He did have 34 points, including 20 in the fourth quarter. Dude, I mean, I was, like we said earlier, it was nice seeing them slow him down early on in that game. And then fourth quarter, the way that he knows how to turn it on, he's he's one of the best players. He's one of the best players in this league he's so dependable especially late in games and it was scary when he started doing that against the sacramento kings but it was shocking to see that his only three tonight was that deep end of the shot three that logo running out on him oh i could not believe he made that and that was a big moment you're like oh crap are they gonna make a run here um, shout out to the super chat from OG Owens. He donates 20 bucks saying boogie off the bench question mark. Uh, we have covered DeMarcus cousins, uh, before on the podcast, but it's just not a fit. I mean, we've been talking about defense, especially coming off the bench. The defense hasn't been great at times, especially at the big spot. DeMarcus cousins does not solve any of your defensive issues whatsoever. Um, he's just, He's never really been a good defensive player, and the injuries have hurt him even more in that area. So yeah, that, they not... they they have the ability to still be obviously very dominant on the offensive end. So um, if anything, it's they need to make the tweaks on the defensive end. So yeah, that just does not make any sense at all. Uh, Will says Jaw is so good, but gets some iffy calls. Yeah. He gets a lot of calls, but hey, you're that good. You're going to get some calls. Uh, Shane is a big Malik Monk fan, as you know, Morgan. Malik Monk's biggest fan saying uh-huh. jaw is trash, Morgan, just so you know. Oh, oh, thank you for the breakdown. I appreciate it. <laughs> jaw is trash. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you saying here? Well, you know, we, we talk about like who's a front runner in the, in the West. If they're healthy, do you think they're the front runner in the West? Who? Memphis? Yeah. That, I mean, to start the season, I was, I was very optimistic of what they could do after last year, but we've talked about it too, Deuce, just some of the guys they lost and Kyle Anderson even, and um, those, 
those role players, De'Anthony Melton, in De'Anthony Melton, those role players on some of these squads around the NBA. Look at the Golden State Warriors, Juan Toscano Anderson. Um, why is that the only one I can think of it? Oh, uh, uh, Gary Payton, the second. Uh, you t- you're talking about for the Warriors now? Mm-hmm. I was just talking about going around the league and talking about role players and yeah. how some of these names have truly affected what these teams were capable of doing last year. And I think with the Memphis Grizzlies, they're obviously, they're still stacked with talent and they have some great coaching and uh, just their philosophy on the floor, right? And staying physical with people, like they have a standard there in Memphis. But I think losing some of these guys really is a bigger deal than some people actually give credit for. Yeah, can they get Zaire Williams back and healthy? You know, he's getting closer. Can Jaron Jackson Jr. stay healthy? Jaw's going to be good. Desmond Bain's hurt right now, and he was off to kind of an all-star level beginning of the season. So they're going to be legit. The West is fun, man. Buckle up. This is going to be a fun ride, Morgan. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this ride, Deuce, because I'm experiencing good basketball. And... There's going to be the rough nights that are ahead, but the fact is they're building something on top of this good basketball. And with the amount of time that we invest, all of us, when I say we, I mean all of us, the amount of time that all of us invest into this squad, we just deserve it. And I'm super happy. Worst case scenario. they oh. co- No, no, hear me out. Okay. Worst case scenario for the rest of the road trip. They lose the next two. They still come home at 10 and 8. I mean, that's what that that's what's exciting. And that's the whole thing. Just stay around 500. Just be in that mix. Right? And go steal one tomorrow. The Boston game, you deal with it then. Go steal tomorrow. Feel really good. All of a sudden, you win eight in a row. You get the Ocho. You're feeling good. Herter has a big game. And again, you go to Boston for a tough battle. Next couple of games are going to be challenging for sure. But this is what... This is why we're here. It's competitive. It's fun. You get the juices going. You try to get better. And you're seeing some amazing play from a young talent, De'Aaron Fox. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. It's like you said, the challenge lies ahead. But um, all it does is tell us more and more about this team, which is actually really exciting. I'm excited to learn more about this team. It's It's so lit. Ew. Did, did I say it like, did I say it right? No, you just say that's lit. Hey, this seven-game win streak, Morgan, bussin', bussin'. No. No cap. <laughs> no cap. Does that work? Bussin', bussin'. You're so stupid. Sheesh. Joe in the chat says, stay around 500. F that. Getting the 50 wins. Uh, Ron said, Chuck said, we're five to six in the West. That's crazy. That'd be it, really crazy. Has, do, do your, like, I guess not expectate. I don't want to say expectations. Does your mindset change of what this team will accomplish this season? Or are you still very realistic? Like, Hey, this is a good time right now. Like we're going to see some tough times ahead. What, what is your mindset? I'm realistic from the standpoint that 
I'm not sure, you know, you're going to be seeing shooting like we've seen, but they've okay. also tonight, like not everyone shot well. Uh, guys were missing a ton of open threes. I'm looking at Monk, two of eight from three. Mitchell, 0 for three. Davis, 0 for four. Lyles and Metsu missed both of their shots. Keegan won. Uh, he was one of eight overall, 0 for four from three. Sabonis missed one. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but Fox, Herter, and Barnes had 13 of the 15 Kings makes. So, like, maybe that goes down a little bit, but the, the offense generates so many good looks. So, no, I mean... My expectations for this team is they're going to have a great offense and it's going to be fun to watch and they're going to be in games because of it. The question will be, like most teams, but I really am vital for Sacramento, can you stay healthy? Sabonis has to stay on the floor. You know, if Sabonis goes down, that's a scary thought, right? Like the depth is just not there for Sacramento at that spot. They have not, you know, that that's a, a concern for me, some of the bench stuff. But th- this is all concerns I already had. They've yeah. already kind of exceeded yeah. my expectations for 16 games in when it comes to the offense. And to be honest, the defense at times, I still think they are having more good moments defensively. And I think long-term, the numbers will bear that out. They'll get better. McNair and his group have to be aggressive, trying to find ways to add to this roster. But it's also a fine line, right? Like, there's great vibes right now. You don't want to mess up with any chemistry, right? You don't want to make a tough move that all of a sudden it just changes everything within a team. So um, to answer your question a long way, this is a good team. They're going to be in the mix this year. It's going to be fun. And, you know, people who are in here saying the five seed, you know, you say that before the season, I'm probably going, eh, settle down a little bit. Now it doesn't sound as ridiculous. I'm not there to predict it. I'm not there yet. But I'm looking at this team now going, they could be a playoff team. They could get in. Could they be a top six team? I think they get the six spot. The way they're playing right now, yeah, they're going to be a, a, a fun team in the mix. I still maintain they're probably a playing team, but we'll see. Yeah, I like it. No, I like it. Good, realistic breakdown, Deuce Mason. Well, Morgan's in San Francisco. She has to hit the hay. She has a quick turnaround. She'll be hosting again tomorrow night for Kings and Hawks on NBC Sports California. We will be live again after the game, of course, to talk all about that one. A shout out to everyone here for being with us tonight. Enjoy this ride. Make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe on the way out. We love you guys so, so, so much. But we got to go. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to see you tomorrow. See ya. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. The podcast that you know. Deuce and mo. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.